0: The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to Patreon.com slash The It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's Patreon.com slash The Writer Files. Help us start something special.
1: there's a lot of value in moving from word one to the end and just to keep going and to finish that draft. Because what I was doing is I would write, the first paragraph of a novel or the first chapter and i would just noodle and tweak and revise endlessly and and what tends to happen with novels is that in your second or third draft you end up cutting that whole first chapter right. you end up revising in a totally different way so i was just wasting time and so i think there's a real value to just jumping in and writing the whole novel start to finish and then you know as joyce Carol Oates says you don't know the the first sentence of your story until you've written the last sentence <laughs>
0: Greetings and welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm still your host, Kelton Reed. And this week, the author, podcaster, and executive director of National Novel Writing Month, aka NaNoWriMo, Brant Faulkner joined me to talk about the Fitbit for novelists, how to write a novel in a month and not just in November, why tracking your writing progress is a built-in reward system, and why you can't wait for inspiration to just get started. Grant's a writer, speaker, and educator whose day job is to help run the nonprofit National Novel Writing Month, the world's largest writing event where every year half a million people commit to writing a novel in November, including 100,000 kids and teens via the Young Writers Program. And Grant reminded me that NaNoWriMo provides year-round structure, community, and encouragement to help writers of all ages and backgrounds find their voice, achieve their creative writing goals, and build new worlds. 2019 is the 20th anniversary of the Seat of Your Pants Creative Writing Marathon, and thousands of NaNoWriMo novels have been published, including bestsellers like Water for Elephants, The Night Circus, Wool, and many others. Mr. Faulkner is the author of a book of essays on creativity titled Pep Talks for Writers, and his teen writing guide Brave the Page is forthcoming from Viking this August 2019. Grant also hosts a weekly inspirational podcast on writing and publishing called Right-Minded, and his writing has appeared in dozens of publications, including the New York Times, Writer's Digest, and Poets and Writers. And just a quick note that this episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by the inspiring team at Author Accelerator. You know that book idea rattling around in your head? Well, now's the time to take it seriously. And working with an Author Accelerator book coach is the best way to write forward. Author Accelerator book coaches give writers feedback, accountability, and support while you write so you can get that idea out of your head and onto the page. And if you think book coaching sounds like a gig you'd like to do, many authors and copywriters have the exact skill set needed to become great book coaches themselves, including managing a project and understanding that creative process. Author Accelerator offers intensive book coach training and master classes so you can add this premium service to your own arsenal. Writers can just head over to authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles for more info and to get the free seven-day writing challenge to start mapping out your own book. That's authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles. In this file, Grant and I discussed the magic of coffee and early morning writing sessions, why jumping in and writing your novel from word one to the end of your first draft without self-editing can be so valuable how a goal and a deadline can help you give birth to your book, why writers fool themselves into thinking they've written more than they actually have, how just getting started can help you overcome the perils of procrastination, and why the author preaches Robert Frost's mantra, no surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. If you think you're ready to write a novel, stay tuned. The Writer Files is brought to you by my friends at copyblogger.com words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence. Authors, bloggers, journalists, online publishers, and entrepreneurs, head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. That's copyblogger.com. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. And leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. And we are back on the Writer Files today with a special guest. The Honorable Grant Faulkner has joined us today to rap about all things uh, writing. Thanks for coming on here, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Kelton. This is going to be fun.
0: Yeah, so when I look at your bio and I look at kind of all the things you, you do, um, I just kind of think of you as a writer's writer. <laughs> and then the NaNoWriMo thing on top of that, it's like, I don't, I don't know how you do all these things. How do you, uh, how do you stay sane?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea how to answer that question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cause I've been asked it several times and, uh, you know, I, th- I think, um, there's this old saying, if you, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person to do it. And I find that the busier I get in life, actually, the more productive and efficient I get. Um, and I really don't know how to explain that because I actually do feel overwhelmed and I do feel insane a lot of the time. I think uh, at this stage in my life, it's it's been nice because I actually I've I've wrestled with insomnia for most of my adult life, hmm. um, and I've 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 mainly got that under control. But I wake up as a result very very early, so I get up at naturally. At, at 4, 4.30 almost every day. So I have an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours to, to write in the morning. And so it's my, my day is kind of very compartmentalized. And yeah. it's nice to have that time in the morning because I am not a nighttime writer. I could not write if I did not have that time.
0: Interesting, interesting. So yeah, I have heard this before from quite a few, um, especially journalists, that that early morning, um, kind of before the world wakes up, is a, a good productivity fire starter but yeah so well let's talk about coffee first of all
1: yeah <laughs> i have a lifetime obsession and love with coffee
0: isn't coffee the first first thing and most important thing
1: it is, <laughs> to it <price> is. It <laughs> is. I, I mean for that like those uh, they really are blessed hours when i'm up at like four or five and I feel like I'm the only one in the world who's awake and I'm making my cup of coffee. And that moment that the coffee is made and I'm sitting down and opening up my laptop and my dog kind of meanders across the room to sit on my lap, that is the absolute, you know, peak experience of my
0: day. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I have a love of coffee myself. I've gotten to the point where I drink so much coffee throughout the day that I have to um to basically, titrate the dosage of of decaf to uh, caffeinated beans uh-huh. that I grind. So I do. I'll start with like a half half calf, and then I'll slowly, basically, wean myself off the caffeine. So I'm drinking like decaf by the end of the day.
1: How many cups today do you drink?
0: <laughs> At least a dozen.
1: Okay, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah you need you need some decaf in there if you're drinking yeah, a dozen. You got to mix. Yeah.
0: So uh, this is kind of a big year for Nana Rima, right?
1: It's a huge year. It's uh, we're adults. We 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 just yeah. woke up one morning. We're like, holy moly, uh, <laughs> we're not we're not a kid anymore. We're, this is our 20th, 20th anniversary. Amazing. We were founded in nineteen ninety nine. So yeah, it is amazing. It's it's uh, we're a mature organization now.
0: That's pretty cool. Um, well, let's ta- let's wind back the clock a little bit and just kind of talk about your um superhero origin story. How you became the uh, executive director of National. Uh, novel Writing Month. For listeners who aren't familiar, NanoRimo is this uh, great yearly event, and it's t- it's it's called the world's largest writing event. It really is yeah. like half a million people who sign up um, from all over the world to do this incredible event. But let's talk about how you got how you became the executive director of NanoRimo, and t- just the, like kind of the cliff notes of. Your bio as a writer, because you've done so many things. You've written for all these different publications, and obviously, you're a published author, speaker, and educator. So maybe just a little bit about kind of how you got here.
1: Yeah, I guess to answer your first question first, the Nanorama question, a um, little bit of an odd path in that one of my best friends, it, uh, was a good friend of Chris Beatty, who, who's the founder of Nanorimo, And when he founded it uh, in 1999, I think my friend Jake participated in 2000 or 2001. But anyway, the first time he told me that, that he and a bunch of friends were writing a novel in a month, I I, I totally thought it was the silliest thing I'd ever heard of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't a, a, a true supporter. Um, but then uh, later in the 2000s, um, I looked at my own creative process and I, I – realized that I didn't know if I chose my creative process or if it chose me, you hmm. know, and so I wanted to explore it a little bit. And I was a very ponderous, slow, kind of precious writer. And so nanorimo was the perfect activity for me to shake up things. And so I I did nanorimo. I think it was 2009. And um, what I discovered was that, you know, uh, it's there's a lot of value in moving from word one to the end and just to keep going and to finish that draft. And, because what I was doing is I would right? The first paragraph of a novel or the first chapter, and I would just noodle and tweak and revise endlessly. And and what tends to happen with novels is that in your second or third draft you end up cutting that whole first chapter. Right. You end up revising in a totally different way. So I was just wasting time. And so I think there's a real value to just jumping in and writing the whole novel start to finish. And then you know, as Joyce Carol Oates says, you don't know the the first sentence of your story until you've written the last sentence. So anyway, I was working at the National Writing Project, which is a, a Nonprofit that's focused on helping teachers teach writing better. And I was looking to, um, you know, both deepen my own uh, nonprofit management and knowledge and just wanting to, you know, experience other other workplaces and organizations. And I reached out to Chris Beatty and uh, asked him about, um, you know, serving on the board or if he knew of any other arts uh, nonprofits in the Bay Area. And he invited me. Uh, I did not think that he really would invite me on the board. It was a total surprise, but he did. And when I went through all the processes and uh, wasn't truly invited on the board by all the board members, uh, Chris took me aside and told me that he was actually stepping down, oh my. <laughs> which was quite quite a surprise because he's a, you know, charismatic founder, and yeah. he. He kind of um, started encouraging me uh, and trying to convince me to apply for the the executive director job, something that I had not considered in my career arc at all. But Chris is very persuasive. So (laughs) I did so and uh, got the job. And it's been the best job of my life. Uh, That's just because we are, you know, a magical organization. And there there are just so many wonderful people who make things happen for NaNoWriMo. You know, we've got a thousand, thousands of volunteers out there, um, thousands of teachers who teach NaNoWriMo. Uh, we're, we're in 1200 libraries 1200 libraries host uh, writing events every year and then we've got a thousand uh, volunteers who we call municipal liaisons who organize um, in-person writing events in their communities and then the staff here is wonderful too so I'm, I couldn't be more blessed
0: that's really cool and congratulations yeah. on on uh, the success of NaNoWriMo of course I will point to the NaNoWriMo.org that's the home page there right
1: Right, and I should say that everything's free. And I think what differentiates us from a lot of other uh, writing organizations or programs is that we're really focused on empowering people to ignite their creativity, to see themselves as creators, and to push push the boundaries of their creativity and put their voice in the world. Um, you know, a lot of organizations are more focused on helping people get uh, feedback and critiques and publish. And while we do that and support that. We're really just about helping people, you know, write the novel of the, their dreams and realize their their uh, creative potential. So everything, is, everything we do is free. We want everyone in the world to write their story.
0: That's incredible. Yeah, I love that. It's very inspiring. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the for bonus writing resources monthly episode breakdowns writer's happy hour a community of your peers ad free episodes and more it's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime that's patreon.com slash the writer files help us start something cool and special keep calm and write on another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help Head over to NaNoWriMo.org and sign up because, uh, yeah, uh, you know, if you want to write a novel in a month, you can track your progress, get uh, support over there, right? And then meet fellow writers.
1: Exactly. We have a huge, vibrant community, both online and in person. And I should say that it's not just about the month of November. We kind of have a branding problem. Uh, Our (laughs) website uh, supports writing year-round with a variety of programs. Also, uh, just the, the tracking devices, the tracking tools, you can enter um, a project and set a goal and a deadline. We believe that a goal and a deadline is a creative midwife. So you can do it for different word counts. You, if you're revising, you can do it according to the hours you revise. So it's kind of like Fitbit for novelists and you can do that throughout the year to track your progress and it sounds it sounds really simple and it sounds like oh i don't need to do that but it's amazing what how tracking your progress both keeps you motivated keeps you you focused on moving forward and it's it's it's, it's a built-in reward system there's nothing more fulfilling than seeing your your the, the progress of your bar chart inching upward towards it, your goal
0: yeah yeah i do love that and we have spoken quite a bit um, with both uh, neuroscientist Michael Gribko on the show about kind of the catch 22 of productivity versus creativity um of course you've also interviewed Jenny Nash who um does that uh, author accelerator uh, book coaching service which is great and and she's talked about that kind of similarity between writing and childbirth yeah exactly <laughs> um, and this is all these are all great tools and you know i think you know, when you talk about the Fitbit for writers, uh, for novelists, it really, it does kind of really ring true because I think most writers do need a little bit of handholding, or at least they need a solidified process starting out because I think a lot of, um, aspiring writers ha- just have trouble maybe getting started. Right.
1: And yeah, I think definitely getting started and, and, and that's like one thing that we, you know, I think that we're really good at is, is convincing people that they have a story and that it's just a matter of getting the words on the page. So banish your inner editor and dive in. Yeah. But then what you're talking about with like the Fitbit for writers, I, th- I think when you're writing a novel, it's easy to fool yourself and, and, t- and tell yourself that you're writing more than you actually are. And so that's why I think tracking your progress, whether it's time tracking or word count tracking, it keeps you honest and it keeps you focused, and and you know how much you do in any given week or month or year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk a little bit pro- about procrastination because this is a subject that's pretty fascinating to me, especially um, around writing and writers. You know, and I think it's been it's been written about more recently and studied by neuroscientists a little bit more at length. But uh, procrastination seems to be a thing that we can you know, get caught up in and then make ourselves feel bad because, you know, ultimately I think what it comes down to is you start to think that you're, you start to tell yourself stories about like, you know, why you're lazy or why you're, you know, not, a, not a creative or productive person when in truth, it's, it, it can be more of an emotional state of mind, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. I think it's more emotional in the end. I think, uh, what, from what I've read, uh, it's about fear. You know, or it's about something that's going to make us uncomfortable, which are both emotions and especially fear. And so that's why a lot of people don't. They say they want to write a novel. They say they want to write a novel someday. Someday rarely happens. And it's it's oftentimes because of the fear or the different types of emotional blocks we put between ourselves and what we want. Um, and so, yeah, I think it is emotional. I think um, I, I've, I've heard interesting interpretations of procrastination. You know, I know, I know some writers think it's a good thing. That, that even though they're avoiding what they're supposed to be doing their brain is working on the problems uh kind of in the back of their almost you know unconsciously yeah and and so that when they finally arrive at the page they'll be all the better for it uh, that said it's a it's a, it's a dangerous tool yeah. because there, there are other people who have avoided doing what they want to do for a whole lifetime and so I think you have to reckon with your own procrastination and really look inward to think what is causing this you know sure. it's, it's it's usually not a matter of of effort it's it's not because you don't have the inner resources to put in the effort of the hard work it's more about that emotional motivation that you're talking about
0: yeah i like that and and you know so much of that is mindset right um getting into the kind of the right mindset but um yeah i mean i think what you talk about with word counts and and scheduling is important i don't know if you've read um austin cleon some austin cleon's stuff on creativity i love I love him. Uh, he's, yep, he's, he's been on a couple times.
1: Yeah, he si- he sings from our songbook. Yeah, or vice versa.
0: <laughs> but that kind of that kind of mindset of like every day is Groundhog's Day. Yeah, um, and you know, there aren't really I, any hacks to it, right?
1: Yeah, I think you've got you know that's one of our messages is that don't wait for inspiration to strike. To write, Uh, So many people think that they can only write when they're inspired, when the world is just serving up this perfect writing environment or ecosystem. And you create your inspiration when you sit down to write. Um, I I think one word leads to another word. One sentence leads to another sentence. One paragraph leads to another paragraph. You create your own momentum. momentum. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think you have to write every day, but I think you have to write really regularly. Um, So, you know, shoot for four or five days a week if possible. And you don't have to write a lot either. I think you just have to write something. So I always tell people, don't worry. If you, can, if you don't have the time to write 1,000 or 1,500 words, try to write 500 or try to write 100 or 200. Um, one of my favorite stories of writers that I oftentimes um, refer to is Toni Morrison was a single mom with a couple kids in New York City. And after working her day job all day and feeding her kids and helping them with their homework and getting them to bed, she had about 15 minutes at the end of the day. and she, But she used that 15 minutes, her worst you know, creative time to yeah. to write her first novel. So, you know, like think about those nooks and crannies of life where you can fit in some writing and it all adds up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're living in an interesting time in history, right, where distractions, interruptions, all of these notifications that we're constantly uh, I just got one. <laughs> <laughs> looking at, you know, it it's a battle of entropy at times to find that flow state and so important to have kind of a uh you know i don't know a ritual or a preparation to, to get you there but to not lean on that and to just you know really as you say it's really important to just get started and and get going regardless of whether or not inspiration or the muse you know is sitting on your shoulder
1: absolutely if i waited to if i wrote only when inspiration struck i'd only write you know three three times a year more or less <laughs> It's, it's, it's the ti- <laughs> tinier types of inspiration that sh- yeah. you know that you create when you show up that are the more important ones than the, than the big thunderbolts from the sky absolutely
0: I do think you need to sit there at times and you know obviously writers are going to be more productive in, in certain environments than others um, right I, I actually can be very productive in a coffee shop with my headphones on you know and there is something there is a neuroscience piece to that actually I'm not sure um, what, what the exact
1: thing it is. is it is I, I wrote about it in my book uh, pep talks for writers and the book is um structured around 52 different essays about that mindset that you were talking about earlier yeah. to help people develop a creative mindset and write year-round and, and one of the chapters is on distractions you know whether they're good or bad and they're both, I guess. It's just, it's just a balancing act. And, and w- the reason that they can be good is that the people who have, who are very distractible or sensitive to distractions, tend to be more creative. They have what they call leaky filters. And, and with those leaky filters, the dangerous thing is you're just too distracted very easily. But the positive thing is that you're letting in a lot of different um, types of stimulations. And, and, and those, those are. It's like your brain is a cauldron, kind of mixing and matching all these different influences and coming up with this juxtaposition of something original you know or or just creative um so that's that's why distractions can be good
0: yeah that's really interesting well of course i'll point at pep talks for writers i think i'm going to get that one on uh, audiobook did you oh, uh did you do the audio
1: i did not do the audio they invited me to do the audio and i really wanted to but i didn't have time yeah. and and for, for anybody who wants to do audio, I hear, I hear, I haven't experienced it. I thought it'd be really fun, but I'm told that it's a very grueling experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that I would be sort of locked in a, a closet-like studio for <laughs> several days, you yeah. know, I guess I guess going over take after take after take. So That's great. I, I'm still game. I wish I could have done it.
0: That's cool. Well, yeah, I will point to Pep Talks for Writers. 52 insights and actions to boost your creative mojo. Uh, I'm definitely going to... Listen Thank to you. that one on my lunch break today. Cool. Um, yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I wanted to say one other thing about just kind of the the sitting and and being bored and and the you know the piece of writing that is kind of so tedious and that might keep writers from I don't know getting into that flow state is that you know oftentimes like as you said you are and Kevin Kelly said it uh, on this show actually is that he writes to have an idea. He's not, he doesn't have an idea, you know, and then magically just writes it down. He's actually, you know, so often I think the words um, that, uh, or, the, or the, sorry, the piece that you intend to write so often doesn't turn out the way you think it's going to, right? It kind of becomes its, own, its yeah. own thing, right?
1: Robert Frost said it really well. I think it's Robert Frost. He said, no surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. And so I personally think, <laughs> It's very valuable to write for what I call the mystery of the story. Mm. Um, I'm not someone who likes to outline everything out very definitely when I, I, I when I write. I like to have a direction that I'm going with my writing, but I but I find that if I have an outline, I don't write the mystery. And the mystery is what makes me um, intrigued as a writer, and hopefully my readers as well. I've I have heard you know there there are many different ways to go about it though. I heard just heard Joyce Carol talking, and she says that she goes out for a walk thinks about what she's going to write, and she never arrives at the keyboard without knowing where she's going. Hmm. I guess she could be writing for the mystery too, but she just has to take that walk to figure out where the mystery is leading her. Um, and I know, that, I know that some people have very, very thorough um, outlines that might be 20 pages, 50 pages for a novel. Um, and the thing about outlining, I think so many people myself included, once they've written an outline, they think that they have to adhere to that outline sometimes, um, that the outline is the rules of the novel. And I think the best outliner writers are the ones who actually change the rules of that outline as they go. They let the mystery speak to them. And so they're recreating the outline as they write. That's so cool. Yeah. I love that.
0: Well, uh before we wrap up here, um, I did want to point listeners to and you do have a great voice, that's why I asked about the audiobook, but uh, <laughs> I want to point listeners to your fantastic podcast also. Um you co-host a podcast called Right Minded, right? Yeah.
1: And it's yeah. a weekly you still doing that weekly? We're doing it weekly. I co-host it with Brooke Warner of She Writes. Um and it's been it's been so fun. Um we we've had just an amazing variety of guests on, uh, most of whom are, are best selling or notable authors. Um, so we just interviewed Danny Shapiro and Pico Iyer. Uh, we've had on uh, we just had on Tyree Jones, uh, Eve Ensler. Kwame Alexander, Grammy Grammar Girl. So we have, um, you know, everything from genre writers to memoirists to literary fiction writers. We're going to have on R.O. Kwan in a couple weeks as well. Um, yeah, and so it's all about, you know, every, every week has a theme – and it's all about what you were talking about earlier, the creative mindset, you know, exploring right. your creative process, you know, thinking about what works for you and hearing other people's perspective on that. So it's it's great to hear from these these wise authors every week.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and you offer some great advice in there. And um, you do, so, you know, it's, it's that pep talk thing um, that you're so good at. And then <laughs> Na- NaNoWriMo's so good at. So um, yeah, maybe... Um uh, just kind of before we wrap up with some final um places to connect with you out there, do you want to offer listeners of this podcast just some kind of um baseline advice on not only getting started but just getting prepared to write that novel and and do it uh, you know in the in the kind of spirit of NaNoWriMo.
1: yeah, I think sometimes um. We do this exercise sometimes when I'm talking to groups, and it, it, it this sounds very rudimentary, but it, it's about identifying your story and your story idea and thinking about what books you like to read and what characters you like to read about. And, and really thinking about what is your story? What is the thing that's going to excite you? And why I think this is important for any writer, no matter what stage they're at, is it's easy to get distracted by things like, oh, I think this novel would be a bestseller. Or, oh, this novel's really marketable. Or, oh, my f- best friend said this idea was really good. Uh, you can get all, all of those opinions, all those voices in your head. But in the end, the thing that's really going to make a difference in your life is writing the story you want to write. And if you write that story, Um, you'll be motivated to sit down and write it every day because you've identified something that you're passionate about and also I think there's something about creativity for creativity's sake if you write that story even if you dedicate years to it and nothing happens to it it doesn't get published you'll still feel good about it because you got your story on the page and you really can't control the publishing thing is just such a different part of the world that's really out of most authors control Um, and and, you know because they're they're looking at books through the lens of like well this book make money they're not looking at it as is this you know wonderful piece of art And, and that's where we're coming from as writers so often is that we want to create a gift to the world a piece of art and so I would I would advise people not to get overly obsessed with the publishing end and to really focus on what's their story and if you if you write your story if you make yourself vulnerable and if you write it with passion those are the best ingredients to write a really wonderful story that other people want to read.
0: Yes, yes. Perfect way to wrap up here. <laughs> Thank you. So no matter who you are, where you live, how old you are or what your background is, Grant believes that your story matters. Head over to org and get uh, in touch with uh, their great resources and sign up. And Grant, you are at grantfaulkner.com as well.
1: Yep, yep. It's a sometimes updated website. <laughs> <laughs> right? I try.
0: You're not a busy guy. Um, and then you are on Facebook, Twitter, yep. and Instagram, and I will point at all of those. And let's talk for one split second about this fantastic new book you have, Brave the Page,
1: Yep, it's coming out in August. It's called Brave, Brave the Page. It's a book uh, focused on a, a guide for teen writers. And we have this whole young writers program that I haven't been able to talk about. or haven't had time during this show, but 100,000 kids and teens sign up for it every year. Wow. We support 10,000 classrooms with free novel writing resources. And so this book's coming out from Viking in August. We're really ex- excited about it um, because it's, it's a it's a huge program that a lot of people don't actually know about. But it's, it's really... Um, effective. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So we, 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 we take all those NaNoWriMo principles and apply them to, to young writers. And I think one of the reasons it works so well for kids in classrooms is that they rarely get to choose what they want to write about. And yeah. they rarely get to just kind of jump in and explore their imagination and be wild with writing. And, and what happens is that, you know, I be, I believe the best way to learn something is to learn through your passions is that kids, instead of writing being this uh, forbidding, intimidating thing that's full of like red marks, you know, correcting your grammar or spelling. And so kids actually become better writers because they're having fun writing. And so I think we we need more of that in our schools.
0: Oh, that's great. Very inspiring. Again, uh, fantastic note to kind of wrap up here. Thanks so much for coming on here to wrap with us. And I could pick your brain all day, but I know you got to go. So hopefully you'll come back and uh, visit us again sometime.
1: I'd love to. I'd love to. Thanks for having me on. I, I could also keep talking.
0: <laughs> I love it, man. I'm going to go uh, get some coffee and I, I have a feeling you are too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Colton. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this half of the Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers find us. You can always leave us a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm where we also humbly ask you to support the show with a secure donation to help us keep going. Just click the little yellow PayPal donate button over at writerfiles.fm and you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week and thank you. Let's mm-hmm. go.